clear my throat. I, I'm sorry about that. It's just normal stuff with me. But I, I, I just want to just ex- express to you how excited I am about the breakthrough that we all are receiving in our lives. We are learning principles of the kingdom in every area of our life in the past year through all this COVID evil. But today, I want to talk to you about something that I believe that every one of us face, every one of us will face in the future, but I'm going to help you understand how to handle it and also to really understand God's heart towards this thing. And so I want to pray for you because I'm just excited as a pastor. I'm getting so many text messages, phone calls, Pastor, can I see you? Pastor, can I talk to you? And the conversation always goes to, I have been believing God for years for this thing, and I just feel like I'm free. Freedom has manifested. Now, here's here's a little secret, and, and we'll talk about a little bit more at the beginning of my introduction, but we're gonna learn how to have fun now. How many of you just wanna have fun with Jesus? Amen? How many of you want to have fun in church? How many of you want to have fun in your home? And how many of you want to have fun at work with that evil boss? And just literally live a life of joy. Well, I'm going to show you in the next four weeks how to do that. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is so real in this place. Father, Pastor Dan is right. Terry's right of the things that they proclaim to us. God, we desire to be that. All those that are watching uh, online, all those that will be listening to the podcast, Lord, in Jesus' name, we will have breakthrough. Breakthrough in 22. The Lord, I thank you that it is a done deal. Right now, you have professed it to us, you have prophesied to us, and it's gonna be a whole decade of joy. And we give you honor that we're going to learn how to live in that joy in the midst of a fallen world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I've read this before, and I, I just, to me, this is, this is life. This is people. And it's called the pessimist and the dog. An avid duck hunter was in the market for a new bird dog. His search ended when he found a dog that could actually walk on water to retrieve a duck. Shocked by his find, he was sure none of his friends would ever believe him. So, because of that, he decided to try to break the news to a friend of his. He called the eternal pessimist who refused to be impressed with anything. This surely would impress him. He invited him to hunt with him and his new dog. So they went out the following week, and as they waited by the shore, a flock of ducks flew by. They fired, and a duck fell. The dog responded and jumped into the water. The dog, however, did not sink, but instead walked across the water to retrieve the bird, never getting more than his paws wet. This continued all day long. Each time a duck fell, the dog walked across the surface of the water to retrieve it. The pessimist watched carefully, saw everything, 
but did not say a single word. On the drive home, the hunter asked his friend, did you notice anything unusual about my new dog? He said, I sure did. He can't swim. (laughs) Every one of us know people like that. That whatever you do, they're pessimists. They look on the wrong side. They're discouraged in life. Or, may I say this, maybe someone in here is in that same boat. And I want to tell you that God understands this. Matter of fact, in a little bit, we're going to talk about a great man of God, and we're going to see the discouragement that he had. And when this discouragement came, and what God did about it. But today, we begin now in this year-long series talking about how to go to a new level with fun, how we can have a great time. Speaking of Yogi, I had a lot of fun with Yogi. We talked about a lot of kingdom things, but we laughed a lot, and we, yeah, that net was kind of funny, but that's all right. That was Yogi, and I loved it. When he wore it, I said, that's you, bro. (laughs) Let me say this to you. God invented fun. He did. God created fun, and Satan perverted fun. Satan will tell you to do things, and what he says will actually steal your joy and eventually kill you, because Satan hates it when you are having fun in life. God wanted you to have fun. He wanted you to have, here's the term, the word talks about all the time, joy. When people see the word joy, they think it's only about Christmas or (laughs) that, you know, it's some spiritual thing that you can never attain. Joy is fun, bottom line. So listen to this. God created this world with joy. If you look up in the stars, He created those so you could look up and just enjoy the beauty of stars. He created the the mountains. He created them to look at. He created them to when it's nice and warm down here, to look up at the mountains here in Southern California and see snow-top mountains. He created that so you could drive up there and get on these long pieces of fiberglass and, and ski and to hike and just to have a great time and have fun. So we are to look at them, enjoy them, climb them, and ski them. God created the world as a present to you. The world has has just created our world as something that is just awful, and, and people are awful because they're not taking care of the world and all these things. And God created the world for us not to have problems with. He created the world for us to enjoy. So today, let's talk about how to handle discouragement. How many of you have been discouraged in your life? Yeah, a lot of you are probably facing it right now. Satan wants to discourage you, and once he does that, he's going to steal your joy. And I'm going to tell you what God thinks about that. So let's talk about the word discourage. What does that mean? The word discouragement has a prefix and a suffix on it. Better said, a starting phrase and an ending phrase. But if you take those away, 
you will find the root word of discouragement. The root word is courage. Courage. So the word dis means to take out courage. The word en, E-N, or to encourage someone is to put in courage in the person. So what we need to understand is in order to overcome discouragement, we need to receive encouragement. We need to take courage. So you cannot have joy in life unless you have courage in your life. That's why the scripture talks about fear all the time. So you're recognizing that it's going to take us four weeks to really move into the realm. We're not just going to be talking about discouragement. We're going to be talking about other things. We're going to be talking about Sabbath. We're going to be talking about many different aspects of the kingdom that God has set as a kingdom revelation or rule for you and I to live out in this joy. So I'm going to encourage you in a big way this morning. Today also, we're going to look at a man that got discouraged, whose scripture tells us was a great man, and the stories of his life, we will see that God did great miracles through him, but he got discouraged. James chapter 5 speaks of, of Elijah, and it says in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Remember that. He is a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. God did a miraculous thing through his faith. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. See, discouragement just destroys fruit in your life. And if people are living in discouragement, but they just cast it aside instead of dealing with it, what happens is a lot of the fruit that we have been asking God to produce in our life through faith doesn't manifest. So we need to understand that discouragement is a great tool that the enemy uses to get us to get frustrated with God. So Elijah, again, was a natural man like you and me. And he did some supernatural things. Elijah is no different than you and me either. Elijah had a relationship with a supernatural God like you and me. So we need to begin to see Elijah in a different light in thinking about ourselves. I'm not saying comparing with him because he had a different call in a different season. I'm talking about we need to realize that God created him and created us the same way with basically the same ability, but we're going to learn that we have greater things. Because it's amazing that we think that Elijah had some sort of advantage because he was a prophet and that we don't have. We don't have that advantage. So for us to expect God to do great things in our life, it's ridiculous. So we become discouraged because we can't find that person that will do a miracle for us. Jesus is not on the earth, and we can't find that person that has that power that Elijah had. I'm telling you, you have that same power in you. 
We have an advantage that Elijah didn't have. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit dwells in us 24-7. Jesus said this in John 16 about the Holy Spirit, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In spite of your lack of thinking, in spite of your lack of knowledge of this, I'm going to tell you a truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So be of good cheer, church, that God has sent us the Holy Spirit and he indwells in us. But we need to recognize that power and recognize that ability instead of being discouraged looking in the mirror of why we aren't receiving or walking in the things we know we should be. Jesus said, it is your, it's to your advantage that I go away. It will be better for you with the Holy Spirit than if Jesus was sitting here in the sanctuary. It's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than Jesus sitting here. You will be able to do more miracles than Jesus was living on the earth. Jesus will send someone, the Holy Spirit, that doesn't have to be in one city, that doesn't have to be in your prayer closet, that doesn't have to be on your job, because the Holy Spirit is with you 24-7. That is the power that Jesus walked in is with you 24-7. So Elijah had a nature like ours, which in a sense, we can be discouraged too. But we have an advantage over him. With that nature, Elijah got discouraged, and again, so can you and me. Again, I ask that question. And a lot of times, you know, faith people, word people like us, when someone says, are you discouraged? And even though you are, you say, nope, 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 can't speak that, can't speak that. Yeah, you are, you're discouraged. And you're going to see, in light of the scripture we talk about, that there are many decisions and many things we do or don't do because of discouragement. But I'm going to break this out because the only one that can deal with discouragement is God. I can't deal with your discouragement. I can lead you to the one that can. Your, your spouse, your sisters, your brothers cannot. God is the only one that deals with it. Why? Because God is the one that wants to deal with it. He said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, have joy, because I've overcome the world. In other words, a kingdom reality, a kingdom thought. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Get on your tablet there and, and get there. Let me show you how Elijah got discouraged and how God himself dealt with this discouragement. And we're going to have fun with this. We're going to laugh at ourselves. See, the, the greatest difficulty of today's day in the church and in our world is we can't laugh at ourselves. 
We're accused of being something wrong when we laugh at one another. That's why I love hanging out with all of you, because with Yogi, with many of you, that we just laugh at each other. We joke around. We, we just have a good time. We have fun. And we don't just, hey, I'm serious about worship. I'm serious about the Word of God. I'm serious about walking with God and doing kingdom work. But also, I am serious about having fun. Some of you in here, I have fun with playing golf, all kinds of stuff that we do. Hanging out on breakfast, a guy called me. I haven't been with him since before COVID. He called up, he says, we got to go to have breakfast. We had breakfast and we laughed for two hours. Fun. Now, I'm not going to say, say this very often. While I will say it probably again, so I won't say that. I won't say this ever again. But this is what we'll see is the, the formula that God has given to destroy discouragement in our life. When discouragement attacks, this is the formula I'm going to give you that Scripture tells us <clears throat> that will remove discouragement out of you. With Elijah, there was no one else around to encourage or give courage back to Elijah except God in this season. <clears throat> but you will notice in the story, we're going to say it in a little bit, is that there were 7,000 other people that were of like faith and like thought. And Elijah thought he was by himself. Okay? Then after God dealt with Elijah, he made sure that this was going to continue, that he was going to be blessed by God's heart and God's love towards him, that he brought Elisha into his life. Okay? How many times when you get discouraged, how many times do you reject everybody, you become alone? And how many times in that loneliness, you become offended with people? But because you've expected them to deliver you from your discouragement. I don't have power to do that. Only God has power to do that. So at this time of the story that we're going to read, Elijah is coming off a great victory. Remember, it's not going to rain for three years and six months, and it didn't rain. Now, let me tell you that when you are doing things for the kingdom of God, you're going to tick some people off. Now, how many of you would realize in today's day that if you got up, uh, you know, on CNN or another news station and you said, I'm going to pray that it won't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, how many people would be ticked at you? Amen? So at the end of this time in chapter 18, Elijah gathers all the prophets together, and what happens is it didn't rain for three, three years and six months, and he begins to test these prophets. Now, I'm going to tell you, you'll read in Scripture, 450 prophets of Baal, but I'm going to tell you as you study throughout the Bible, there's actually a total of 850, all right? He says, you, <clears throat> you build, he says to them, you build an altar, and I will build an altar. You pray to your God, I'll pray, and the God 
who answers to my God, and the God who answers with fire is a true God. So the false prophets, you know, they said, great, let's do that. So they pray all day. They even cut themselves. You know, that's what religion does is uh, you begin to uh, think of yourself less and you think of yourself as worthless and that you have to prove to the God that you serve that you're no good and uh, you start cutting yourself, you start doing all these things. That's part of discouragement, by the way. And religion is really people who are discouraged. Elijah got water and he, he dug a trench around his altar and poured the water on it and on everything that was on the altar. Then said, God, now to show them that you're God and I'm your man, send fire from heaven. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes all the water in the ditch. It consumes the wood, it consumes the animal, even the stones. And I want to tell you this, to have a fire that will consume a stone is a pretty good fire, huh? All right, and the fire came from God. Think about it. Elijah called fire down from heaven. To me, that would be fun. You know, for me to pray, God call, call down from fire from heaven, comes down, that would be fun. That would be so cool. Elijah was having fun and having a great day. But look what happens the next day. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. <clears throat> and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow by this time. And when he saw that, Elijah, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey. He himself, what discouragement does, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. In jest, if you're praying to die, you're not having a good day. You're not having fun. You've rejected others. You have set yourself up for failure. That's what discouragement does. Because what discouragement does causes you to go somewhere into a hole by yourself and you reject others. And then you get mad at those others because they don't come and save you. You've expected other people to become your answer when they cannot become your answer. Your answer is God. And you need to understand that God knows how to deal with your discouragement. And it's God. Matter of fact, a lot of people who are discouraged uh, run from church. They run from God. And they're angry. I used to go to church. I used to go to that church. I used to do this. Because they become discouraged and they blamed others for the problem. And that's why they don't have breakthrough. But you're going to have breakthrough with fun because no longer discouragement is going to bind you up. You're going to face it. 
You're going to be attacked by it. It's going to come at you. <clears throat> Matter of fact, we're going to learn in a moment that when, it, when you have a great victory, that's when discouragement wants to come. Some of you are there today. Some of you might be there tomorrow. So Elijah gets discouraged. And many of you are remembering right now how you dealt with that, and then you're now thinking, oh, man, if I only knew this. Well, wait, I'm going to give you more. But if I only knew this, but I want you to refocus with me, okay? I don't want you to go into your place. I don't want you to, I want you to just focus on what I'm going to say because I'm going to give you four things that are so simple that's found in Scripture, and it will transform you. Today, you will have breakthrough. Matter of fact, I promise you, unless you choose to reject and become offended with what I say, you will leave this place without discouragement. You will take courage, and you will be a courageous person today. So refocus with me and let me show you what's so incredible after Elijah prays about the prayer of discouragement. God himself deals with a discouragement. And what God does helps Elijah move forward into a joy when you study scripture for the rest of his life. You never read about Elijah being in discouragement. I didn't say he wasn't attacked with it, but the Bible never relates to us that he fell back into discouragement. So here's the question. What does God desire to do for us when discouragement attacks us? I didn't say when we become in Dis discouraged. I said when discouragement attacks us. You have to see it in that light, that God begins to move immediately when the attack comes in your life. The first thing is God desires to refresh you. God desires to refresh you. Watch this. 1 Kings 19, verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree. Have you known someone that have been um, discouraged and they became mean? Okay, this is talking about a broom tree. Doesn't mean they were on a broom. Okay, anyways. Suddenly, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Sounds good already, doesn't it? Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. In other words, Understand, Horeb is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God where the presence of God was. So he was under the strength of God ministering to him, and it drew him to the presence of God. 
drew him to the presence of God. Elijah is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually drained. Elijah, for three and a half years, had massive warfare because he was the enemy of Israel, too. Not just one day. His friends were mad at him. His peers were mad at him. They didn't like him because those days, they didn't have sprinkler systems. It's not going to rain till I say so, and everyone is mad at him. James 5 said he prayed every day it wouldn't rain. I'm just picturing, Elijah, when's this going to be over? I, I don't know. Lord, cause it not to rain. Elijah, shh. Right? How many of you, God has given you a plan and a vision, and you're doing it, and everyone's telling you, shh. I'm trying to relate it to us. Also, remember, the enemy attacked Elijah because he was doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. So many people, discouragement, the the enemy deceives us and we don't know how to have fun in our walk with God, deceives us, and we're discouraged all the time, and we're always basing on something wrong. But you know, a lot of times, the wrong thing that happens is we get offended with other people when we're discouraged, and we begin blaming everybody else in the world for the problem. I know you don't do that, but you know we do that when we're discouraged. See, what the Scripture is telling us, you are here, you're really living for God, and you wonder why you're under such an attack. You're wondering why this is happening to you. You're tithing, you're giving, you're attending church, you're blessing, you're leading people to Christ, you're praying in tongues every day, you're doing it. Why are you attacked? Because you're living in this world. Understand that. Also, The attack of the enemy came through a person. Oops. So what I want to say to you, you can't get mad at the person. It's Satan when Elijah was tired. I'm going to say that again. That's why I slowed down. It was a person. The offense, the problem came from a person. Queen, okay, and Elijah was tired. So important you hear this. This is where the enemy, remember the doors we talked about last week, the five doors, how the enemy comes in? God didn't even speak to Elijah until he was physically refreshed. Some of you are saying, God's not speaking to me. I prayed, and I can't hear him. He's not talking to me. I can't get a word from God. Then we run to someone else, and they say, well, I think the Lord is saying. They don't know what the Lord is saying because it's God that's one going to deal with your discouragement. And even if you say something, it's not from God. Oops. Because God loves you so much, he's going to deal with you. Once he begins to deal with you and get you into a refreshing 
get you into a refreshing, then he will use others to minister to you because in that refreshing, you'll receive them. Let me just say this. Next month, we're going to have a marriage conference. Sometimes you will not receive a word from your spouse because you're always tired and discouraged. But someone down the street will say something, oh yeah, and, and you had said it, your spouse has said it 20 times. Okay, let's go on. That's for next month. You know why you're not hearing God? You're too tired. Here's an example. You'll get it now. Have you ever tried to reason or talk with a tired child? Have you tried to do that? What do you say to them after you tried? You need to take a nap. They need to be refreshed. I wonder when sometimes we say, God, I need you to talk to me. God says, you need a nap. We've set ourselves up for failure. Because you know what we do? Religion says, well, you just got to do more for God. I'm not going to rust out. I'm going to wear out for God. Oh, man. Really? That is such opposite of God's heart. God never wants you to wear out. He'll give you wisdom and insight and leading that you can do everything and even more that you ever desire to do, but not do it exhausted. And I've learned that because I grew up in a home that was a wonderful home, but it was a home that said, you do it, you do it, and then you do more. Don't tell me you're tired. You do it. And God says, take a nap. Some of you are napping right now, so you've listened to me. <laughs> In Elijah's refreshing, <laughs> I'll tell you, you're going to fall in love with the Scripture, all right? The Scripture says we need to take a nap and eat some cake. Yay! talking about all those diets and everything. You're going to memorize that. And bottom line, let's have fun. It was the original angel food cake, too. Anyways. So let's talk about another word in our vocabulary that has a prefix and a suffix. The word recreation. We're talking about rest. We're talking about God saying, take a nap. The prefix is, is re, suffix is shun. The root of the word recreation is create. Okay, now listen to me. Remember what I just said about the refreshing. When you recreate, you actually recreate yourself. God wants you to recreate. God is a God of recreation, recreation. You're born again, you are a new creation. Do you see that? You're following me? God wants you to recreate or recreate. It's Satan that perverts it. 
So God wants me to take naps, <laughs> eat cake, and play golf. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Amen. Right, Ronnie? Amen. The best thing you can do is stay physically refreshed to accomplish the purpose God has given you. So sometimes the most important thing you can do is rest. I'm not talking about seven days a week. Okay? Everyone goes to the extreme all the time. And so I have to kind of add to it. You can even sound spiritual and call it a quiet time. Amen. Because there's some people that are so spiritually, they're no earthly good. Oh, I can't do that. I got to be praying 50 hours a day. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And, and by the way, you're not like me. You're not doing that. You're, you're, you just got to, really? Really? I'm just going to say it very strong. You've been deceived by good things. And I'm telling you, because we're going to get to, in a couple weeks, talking about Sabbath. Here's the second thing God desires to do when we are discouraged. God desires to listen to you. He does. He doesn't want to listen complaining all the time, but God desires to listen to you. God wants to hear your voice. You tell everyone else but him. Because you're a faith person. I'm a faith person. I can't tell God, but I'm going to tell a few people that understand. You know, I'm telling you this because I just want you to pray with me. Oh, you're discouraged. And you're allowing the enemy to deceive you. And because of that discouragement, you cannot get to the place that God wants you to be. Verse 9. Uh, 1 Kings 19. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Like God didn't know. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. I'm spiritual. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. For three and a half years I've done this, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. See, God understands, and God asks the question. And if you read through the Bible, just, just watch this. I'm showing you this because I know this is so simple, but I want you to understand we serve a God of simplicity. And sometimes we make living for Jesus and kingdom life so hard. If you read through the Bible, God asks questions in a lot of stories. Why does he ask the question? Because he wants you to talk to him. Secret place. He said to Adam, where are you? Remember after the sin? He knew where Adam was. But you know what? Adam didn't know where he was. He was discouraged of what he did, and he was, he was hiding. He rejected God. He rejected everything. He was hiding and blamed his wife, got offended with his wife. See, we communicate to God from our heart through our mouth. He wants to hear your heart. God wanted Adam to say, 
what was in his heart so God could deal with what was in his heart. What was that? Discouragement. He said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Jesus knew their thoughts, but Jesus wanted them to know and just say it. Watch this. He asked Paul or Saul, Paul the apostle, on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul at that time. Why are you persecuting me? God wanted Paul to get the revelation so he could write one-third of the New Testament about the revelation. Watch this. What was that revelation at that moment on the Damascus road? If you persecute a believer, you persecute Jesus, the body of Christ. When you read Paul's writings, you will always see he puts that in there because it transformed his life and got him out of religious discouragement because he met Jesus Christ, the love of God. Church family, it's okay to talk and communicate with God. God is so secure, it doesn't rattle him either. It doesn't. It doesn't rattle him with why you are discouraged. He already saw it. He knew it. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. So God knew better. Take a nap, <laughs> eat cake, talk to me, and let's recreate. See, this is where we're going to go to the new level and have breakthrough with fun, even though we're attacked with that. God desires to talk to you as the third one. This is what God does in dealing with your discouragement. Verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. This is so cool. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still, small voice. See, when you're discouraged and you're exhausted, you can't hear that voice because everything else is screaming at you. If you want to hear the still small voice, you must sit still through the word, through the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. I'll say that again. Can't read my own writing here. If you want to hear the still small voice, you must sit still through the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. To go to a new level in the area of joy, you need to get refreshed physically, talk to the Lord, and you must listen to him, not what's going on. Your focus when you're discouraged is on what's going on, not what the Lord is saying. Three things happen before God speaks. Watch this. God, I need you to speak to me. Three things happen before God spoke to him. First of all, the wind. It represents the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, it says in Scripture that God was not in it, but it represents the move of the Holy Spirit. Elijah had a great move of God and got discouraged. When you are doing things for the kingdom, 
you better slow down and talk with God. You got to slow down. Slow down in a mighty move of God. You know what happens? God does great things and we don't even recognize it. You know how people always talk about, you know, you never know what God does for you. I mean, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to see all the lists of what he did. Well, why don't you slow down and watch? Amen? Slow down and watch. The earthquake represents God's dealing in our lives. Sometimes God shakes things that are unstable in our lives. You know it. Watch this. He shakes the things that are unstable so one thing stands above everything else. You know what that one thing is? That's your relationship with God. That's the only thing that can't be shaken is the Word of God. It's the only thing. Everything else is shaken in your life. I don't care how you feel that things are so solid, it can be shaken. And sometimes you will see God shaking it because we have veered off in our discouragement and we have rejected God, we've rejected the people that love you the most. We become so offended with things around us that the people that, are, that will show us the love of God, we won't receive it. We'll reject them and we'll wonder why they're not calling us. Okay, I'll go on. Hebrews 11 says, those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. How many of you want your relationship, your fellowship, and your fun with God to remain, no matter what you face. That's where our heart needs to get. What matters the most to you? Well, if they would do this, or he would do this, or she would do this, and, and my boss would do this, and the pastor would say this, and the pastor would do this, then I would be happy. Really? No, you won't. Because you've been deceived in discouragement. The third is the fire. When God burns the dross out of your life, a purifying in your heart, in your soul. When you have gone through hurt and trauma, you've gone through all kinds of things that the ladies will talk about. You've gone all through this. If you will understand that God at times wants to burn that before he even talks to you but we don't allow them to because we're angry, we're mad, we're discouraged. We don't want this in our life. We want God to do a miracle. Hmm. You have to go through these things to hear the still small voice. It's when God speaks. You know, have you ever known someone that don't look? Okay, everyone just keep your eyes just straight ahead. Have you ever known anybody that just constantly? Okay, no, 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 look. God doesn't do that. God's words are pure and short and strong. And he's there. And when he talks, he wants you to understand. He wants you to hear him. 
Now, he's not going to talk through the dross. He's not going to talk through all the unstable stuff in my life unless I will sit and allow him to do this. How? We're learning by refreshing. Wow. Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into wilderness and prayed. If Jesus withdrew to the Lord, not because of discouragement, he withdrew because of his ministry to other people, of his love for other people. If ever I desire to withdraw it's because I want to be better when I come back in teaching you the Word of God. Amen. And, and I don't become offended. You know, people say things, do things, don't do things. It doesn't matter to me. My joy comes from Him. If Jesus needed to withdraw often because of success, how much more do you need to? Everybody was coming to Him. He was the most popular person. They didn't have, you know, text messages. They didn't have, you know, all kinds of the tech stuff we have today to show everybody in the world what was going on. It was word of mouth. They came because he was real and his words were powerful. We got to get back to that, church. We got to get back to God, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is real. His words are powerful no matter what is going on, no matter what's going on with COVID. I proclaim to you breakthrough this year with COVID. Not because I'm just trying to be a faith guy. I'm just telling you, it's a done deal. Here's the fourth, how God takes care of it. God desires to give you some friends. See, watch this, but before that happens... God desires to refresh you. He desires to listen to you. Then he will talk to you. After all that stuff's shaken off and all that offense is gone, he'll talk to you. And then he'll give you friends. Because the Bible says to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. 1 Kings 19.18 says, Yet I have reserved 7,000, speaking to Elijah, in Israel. All whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So there are 7,000 people of like spirit. Now, when we think, we're thinking around the whole world, 7,000, not many. No. You know what the world, how big the world was at that time, the people? The problem is in discouragement, we gather with those that are discouraged. We get on the phone and we talk about all, you know, you, you get the, the, the coffee clutch and talk about everybody's problem. Oh, yeah, that's, I face the same thing. I do that. Yeah, I do that. And you go always, oh, wasn't that fun? No. Because you're discouraged. You're discouraged. <laughs> you think you're the only one. You think you're the only one that faces these things. And if that's what you think, the enemy's going to come at you stronger. 
He's going to blame your spouse. He's going to blame your children. He's going to blame, blame your parents. He's going to blame your grandparents. He's going to blame your ancestor of 500 years ago. I'm not making fun of the stuff, the emotional stuff that just beats us to death with discouragement, but I'm just trying to tell you and give you a picture of what the enemy does, and we think that's normal. It's not normal. The attack of discouragement, the thoughts of discouragement is real and normal. But to live in it is abnormal for a son or a daughter of God. Don't you look at me and say, Pastor, you don't care about me. Really? See, when you think that, you are hearing from the pit of hell. Because there's no one in this room that loves you more than I do except the Holy Spirit. I promise you that. Everything that I'm supposed to do and, and can do for you, I would do in a heartbeat. That's why I tell you when we get into the marriage, I will tell you that's why number one priority for me is God. Number two priority for me is my wife, then my children. And for me to go out and to make you more important than them, that's wrong. But for me to be discouraged in life and not being able to minister to God and minister to, to my wife and my children and you is wrong too. And so when you rise up, excuse me, and you, you see yourself moving into that direction, go find God. Find God and let him deal with you. Well, I don't understand why. I just told you why at times that we're just frustrated with God. Okay, let's raise our hands. Have any of you ever been mad at God? Okay, look at all those hands. Okay, here's another question. How many of you have ever been mad at the church? Come on, be real. Amen. Me too. You're the church. Oops. <laughs> Amen? Can we start having fun here? Can we? Can you make a decision and start having fun here? Being able to enjoy one another? Man, I like who you are. I do. I like your idiosyncrasies. I didn't say idiot, I said idiosyncrasies. <laughs> I like what you are and who you are. I love your call. I listen, I learn from you. You think, well, pastor's up there teaching us. Well, you're teaching me. Amen. I watch you business people. I sit down with many of you and I ask questions and I listen and I learn. Why is that? Because you're great in the kingdom of God. You have the same power that Elijah had. Matter of fact, you have the same power that Jesus had in you. So let's have fun. Matter of fact, you're not the only one. That's why the church is so important. Let me close with this. We need to stay as close to the body of Christ as you can. You know, 
the Bible tells us that, that the enemy seeks whom he may devour. And I'm a sheep. Yeah, I'm a pastor. But I'm a sheep, God's sheep. You know what I do? <laughs> Sound like a wimp here. I stay in the middle of the church. Because if the enemy attacks, he's going to get you before he gets me. <laughs> Amen. I'm being funny. But if I was a real sheep, animal, that's what I would do. My mama didn't raise no fool. That's why I beg you to get involved. That's why, ladies, the women's ministries. Men, I know this COVID stuff, we've shut down a little bit longer, but we're on the move now, men. I promise you. And married couples, we're going to have that conference. We're going to make it very simplistic because I want to just pour into you. All four sessions I will be teaching because I'm going to pour into you about your home and about your marriage. And every one of you need to be here. Matter of fact, many of you that are married will be receiving a letter from me. Most of you in, in leadership of the church will be receiving a letter from me this week. And that letter will explain to you the dates and the times. And I want you to invite at least one or two couples to come with you. Amen. So I beg you to get involved. You know, that's why we get discouraged. Because we, we run from this stuff. But after all of that, God sends Elijah, Elisha. And for 20 years, Elisha serves the man of God. If you read the story between Elisha and Elijah, man, Elisha was a dude. Why he was a dude is because Elijah was weird. He was peculiar. I'm going to use a scriptural word. Bottom line, he was weird. But he was good. All right? I mean... Locust and honey, you know, just, well, anyways. So, this is what God does with discouragement. So, if he does this, then make sure this is happening in your life. When discouragement attacks you, you need to first get physically refreshed. Take a nap, eat some cake then God's going to ask you a question. He doesn't want you to do this. He's going to ask you a question, and he wants you to answer it out of your heart. And then from there, then God knows you're ready to be dealt with. Because when I'm doing this, I'm not ready to receive from him. Because I'm just wanting to do this. And then when I proclaim out of my heart to the Lord what's on my heart, then he knows I'm ready to listen. And I hear the still small voice. But he also, when I ask him from my heart, I'm ready to be dealt with wind, earthquake. Okay? Got it? I'm ready to be dealt with. Sometimes in my life, I don't know about you, you're probably perfect, Sometimes when I ask the Lord something, he's got to deal with me in some things. Amen. 
Your, your kids want something, but you have to deal with them with something, don't you? All right? So, so in that, so then what we find is he asks a question, you know, we, we talk to him, and then we sit and listen, that quiet place, that secret place, the presence of the Lord, listening to worship. Are we worshiping? Where we come here early on Sunday morning, and any time we ever have worship, then we're here early, ready to go, first note, boom. We're ready to worship because we enter in to the presence of the Holy of Holies. Last but not least, to have friends be friendly. I don't know about you, but most people, when they're discouraged, they're not very friendly. Matter of fact, some people are mean. And they're wonderful people. They're saved, going to heaven, doing things for the church, doing things for the kingdom, great on their business, successful on their business, but they're discouraged, and they sometimes become mean. And they say things they shouldn't say. And at that place, once you hear God and begin to move in that, he will bring you people that will just touch your life. Let me give you a secret what we're going to learn next couple of weeks. You know how he brings most of those people? Right here. Online, right here. He brings those people here. Not that they're going to hang out and, you know, go out to eat with you every, you know, every day. But they're there. And when you come in with joy in your heart, when people are discouraged, you're there to love on them and not become offended. I've seen sometimes where I have spoken and I'm teaching on a subject, and sometimes it's when you're teaching on marriage and different things, you get people that are sitting there in the, in the seats. Like that. It's not because you're bad or because because you're just discouraged. And you don't know God's heart regarding your discouragement. God loves you, and he wants to take care of it today. And you have to make that choice. God, you're my answer of my discouragement. My kids, my siblings, nobody can do it for me. My spouse, you have to take care of this. So, this afternoon, go home, take a nap, eat some cake. <laughs> Let's all stand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here it is. Fun. Yes. Laughter. Can I, just, can I just let you know something? This is, this is just personal. After 43 years of ministry... <laughs> About half of you walk up to me and it's like, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Please, please, come up to me, high-five me, and, you know, let's have some fun. Let's relax with one another. Hey, you know the greatest secret how to receive more of the word that I study? Listen, I study. I'm called of God. I'm anointed for this church to teach you, equip you, that you can go out into the world and the highways and byways and touch lives for Jesus. I'm anointed for that. How to receive that is don't come up to me like this. Hey, pastor, 
and smile. Amen? We'll have fun together. We'll grow together. We'll see the power of God move. Miracles will, will manifest in such a unique way because of you, because of who you are. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. See you tonight at 6 o'clock.